50% of every penny you spend on online services like Asana, Netflix and whatnot mm. goes to the Uncle Jeff tax. Wow. Three yeah, companies yeah. really control 80% of the market share of the cloud. The vision of Akash is to create truly peer-to-peer clouds, right? So by 2024, I think Akash will be the most distributed network. What was it that made you want to build Akash on Cosmos versus making it in an, an EVM DAP, for example? What is up, Greg? Great to have you here. Great, great to be here. It's been a while. Listen, uh, I'm here with Gregory, the founder of Akash Network, which is the decentralized marketplace for cloud compute. Um, most people, when they hear crypto, you know, they think of DeFi, they think of NFTs, maybe now Metaverse. But there is this space, this segment, called, which I refer to as DWeb. Others, you know, web, back in the day, we called Web3. Now Web3 is taking over everything, which is the infrastructure for the web itself on decentralized rails. And, you know, there's projects, maybe people have heard of Helium that does broadband uh, on connectivity. And there's a cache that does cloud compute. And there's storage like ARWave. And so let's dive into the early days. You know, what made you... What, what brought you to cloud computing? And what, made, what, what is the vision that made you want to decentralize in the first place? Sure, I think the category we can call these new class of uh, web services is decentralized web services. Decentralized so services, yeah. that's, that's a you know, term of coin. Mm-hmm. And so DWS, I think, is a good sort of category. DWS. DWS, yeah. decentralized web services. That includes storage, mm-hmm. uh, middleware, compute, caching, discovery, DNS. So you can put Handshake and all of them, Harvey, uh, mm-hmm. Sorge, Filecoin, uh, Graph Protocol, Lightpeer. So all these like services that provide a uh, what you would normally get in a typical cloud, mm-hmm. uh, like an infrastructure as a service provider, but in a decentralized way. And the premise of uh, this, uh, this new wave of decentralized web services is the fact that there's enormous amount of underutilized uh, resources out there, be it bandwidth, be it compute, be it storage, um, the uh, we can essentially unlock that supply and offer that in an open marketplace in a uh, cost-optimized manner that's that's fair, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the premise of the the entire notion of a decentralized web services. Um, how Akash began really was uh, to give a a short story. We because I saw it start as early as 2015, which is like, this is like Ethereum early days even. Right, 2015, actually like my work on the version of Akash began in 2014. Okay. Really when I was um, uh, fascinated by this new technology called containers. Mm-hmm. So in 2012, I discovered containers uh, and containers would solve a packaging problem mm-hmm. that was that was very, very, prominent in the cloud deployment space, right? So they would solve the parity problem in the sense that you could package an application locally and have the expected behavior on a remote server. It's a big deal. And Google mastered this technology. And uh, there is a company called Docker that came along and mm-hmm. made this technology much simpler. And uh, so I was doing a lot of research and a lot of work in that area, right? Schedulers, fault tolerance in that area. and. Um, and, and long story short, in 2015, I started Overclock Labs to really take this container technology mm-hmm. to market. Because there's yeah. very few companies that even heard of what Docker is. And Kubernetes was just just uh, early, right? I was one of the few people in the world that was working on Kubernetes at that time, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and, uh, and I you know, sort of like had a, a vision to enable a Kubernetes cluster uh, uh, at the edge of the uh, network. So really, 
uh, build a high-performance cloud by building an edge network of Kubernetes clusters. So at right. that time, the decentralization was a little bit in the background. It was more about creating a network. Distributed systems, yeah, right? Distributed heavily systems. distributed systems. But we discovered if you distribute the system uh, to a certain degree, in order to really function in a fault-tolerant manner, you mm -hmm. need decentralized systems. Uh, and why? Because in order for uh, edge computing nodes, right? Edge mm -hmm. computing in the sense these nodes are working at the edge of the network, right? Without like the comfort of a mega hyperscale. So they are supposed to work in pretty much any data center. Some of them even work on the device like vehicles and whatnot, mm -hmm. right? That, but most of them are actually working at the edge of the network, right? And so they need to operate independently mm -hmm. without relying on a centralized controller or a centralized control yep. plan, we call it. So in order for them to reliably operate, uh, there's a new sort of like, uh, the scheduling like mechanism or algorithm we use is called optimistic scheduling. Mm -hmm. So optimistically, they should be able to like self-serve, self-heal, self-operate, mm -hmm. right? Instead of pessimistically in the sense, uh, then you gotta look for a resource, you're not sure the resource is available. That means you gotta look for a centralized a, a database, mm -hmm. you gotta get a lock and and when you have and, and and what problem was it trying to solve? Were you trying to solve the problem of, at the time that anybody can have the GPO provide, you know, cloud compute, right. or was it, the, you know, like more more so from the provider perspective that any like you're democratizing it, where like it's just like anybody can run a Shopify store, anybody can now become, you know, a, a provider, or more so like that this would be more cost effective. Like the problem we're trying to solve was like how can we build a really high performance cloud yeah. where you can deliver the workload within uh, 100 milliseconds gotcha so our thesis was if you can deliver an application if, if a request uh, every interaction from the phone or from your device can respond within 100 milliseconds mm -hmm. you have something called continuation that means mm -hmm. it feels smooth it doesn't feel like there's a lag it feels like a local environment local mm -hmm. application so that was the vision to build a high performance cloud and we tried to do that over Amazon it wouldn't work because mm -hmm. Amazon's very limited in terms of distribution. There are right. only 18 regions in data centers. Only way to do that is to go to the data center at the edge of the cloud. And now when you go to the data center, the fault tolerance becomes a question. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so we started like experimenting with sort of like using BitTorrent style replication, yeah. uh, peer, edge peer-to-peer -peer replication. So that's the premise of how we ended up with the blockchain, right? So, so, so performance was actually the heart of it, not like sensor resistance. Like the initial idea was not like, AWS is banning us, it's more so this is how we can actually get to a high performance level. To high performance was the well, the premise of starting so that, yeah. a, a heavily distributed cloud, right? Yeah. And then as we discovered, like uh, throughout the years, we discovered that Amazon actually, you know, uh, was a big threat to mm -hmm. this vision of sovereign compute, yeah. right? All the way from what they do to just prices, they have 97% market. Yeah. So if you want a heavily, uh, uh, you know, high performance cloud, you gotta get the base price down because you need a lot of repli replicas, yeah. right? You need high, high performance tolerance, right? So uh, in order for that to happen, you can't just have like one or two servers. You need at least, let's say, a quorum of nine servers to have a decent like American right? right? Like, so if you have nine servers, the cost is very high, mm -hmm. right? And you have this enormous amount of supply that's available. I mean, back then there were 8.2 million data centers uh, when we began. Now yeah. there's 7.1 million data centers. Oh, so that's another reverse trend, which is also it's actually gone down. That's very scary uh, if you don't do something about it. W why is that? Why did it decline? Cloud. Just because of monopoly? Oh, okay. Cloud is consolidation, right? Cloud just goes and builds hyperscale, and there's this fallacy of like operating a data center is very, very expensive. 
also and there's fewer data centers, but probably bigger ones. There are few data centers that are bigger ones bigger. that are operated by cloud operators, mm. and the edge data centers owned by companies, individuals, and whatnot are going 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 away. So if you don't do something about getting them back, we will not we'll be at the purview of the cloud. Now, what makes you think that that wouldn't happen with a marketplace like Akash, where if we look at comparatives, let's say Bitcoin mining, for example, mm -hmm. like yes, the initial vision was that we are going to run our own initially GPUs, then we're going to run our own ASICs to mine Bitcoin, but ultimately it became consolidating into mining pools, mining firms, and so forth. And now, let's say six miners make up 80% of the Bitcoin yeah. hash power. Yeah, so what's happening is, that's not only mining, it's in the cloud as well, right? Yes. So three yeah, companies yeah. really control 80% of the market share of the cloud, right? And it's mm -hmm. getting increasingly consolidated. And the outcome is, the, the margins for companies that use the cloud are dwindling. Mm -hmm. So A16Z came up with an amazing report recently called the Trillion Dollar Paradox, where they said 50% of every penny you spend on online services like Asana or Netflix and whatnot mm. goes to Amazon's or Google's of the world, really? right? 50%, half of every dollar you spend goes to the Uncle Jeff tax, we call wow. it, right? It's, it's a beautiful report. And now these companies uh, are realizing that's not uh, that's not feasible anymore and starting to go back to the data centers. Mm -hmm. So there's a repatronization of data centers. But the problem with a data centers uh, owning and operating one is underutilization. So you have enormous supply that's available. Like Walmart recently announced that they're going to open 10,000 new data centers, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because they want edge capability. And, and they, they, they wouldn't those capabilities in-house, I'm assuming. So they're, instead of hosting through Amazon, they would host their own, would they host their own or would they also start selling web services? Well, with Akash, they'd be able to sell web services, right? Ideally, they should be able to sell web services to Akash. Now, Akash is getting to a point where, mm. yeah, a lot of these big companies are taking a very, very closer look as Akash gets into, you know, use cases like military and whatnot, like military has their own service and not using Amazon's or, or Google's in the world. So the, the premise of Akash is like, well, if you're a company, and you have a data center, and mm -hmm. you want cloud-like capabilities, modern deployment capabilities, use Akash. And you can limit uh, your applications, uh, your data centers to only serve your applications, or, or a certain public list. You can, you can moderate that way. You can completely have whitelist and blacklist just for your providers mm -hmm. if you want, right? And if you want to sell that excess capacity, say if you don't have internal demand that will meet your, you know, that, that, you know, that uh, would utilize all your services, you can sell that to a marketplace, yep. right? And if you want to scale up, uh, if you want to, if say you peak, then you want more capacity, you can then go attach to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So there's, by just by using Akash doesn't mean you're automatically just taking everything from outside or you're selling your space to outside. You can start off with a very internal only, and then it, you know if you're comfortable, you can go external. Uh, the, the vision of Akash is to create truly peer-to-peer -peer clouds, right? Mm -hmm. So company like Walmart or, company like Joe's, you know, Joe's data center is actually a mm -hmm. data center, right? Some some dude operating out of Montana, right? Uh, or like a Compute North uh, mining rig sitting in a, in a you know, renewable, uh, that's, that that takes advantage of the uh, renewable overage, yeah. right, in Texas. I mean, there's a lot of power that goes to waste. Data centers there are super cheap, right? There's so much variety of these data centers, all can operate in a peer-to-peer -peer world. So that's really the vision of uh, of Akash. And I, I know we, we had a Zoom call either in Q4, Q1, and at the time, the marketplace was still rolling out and you were ho hoping that it was got ready for the GPU, uh, for, for the merge, mm -hmm. where then all of a sudden a lot of GPUs hit the market. And also like we're still working persistent storage and I think persistent storage finally went live in August. Yep. So that that's important to note because what I want to uh, ask is, what can be done today with Akash? Because I remember back then, for example, we said there's a very limited amount of like applications that right. could actually be run. 
what can be run today and like what is still yet to come yeah. um, in order for like what kind of markets can be captured by Akash? So right now, uh, ephemeral workloads, so I mean, a lot of API servers and things that don't need state mm -hmm. uh, is what we started, right? State and light services, we call it. Then we attach network storage. Now you can have heavy state applications, right? Now recently uh, we, we released IP leases. So you yep. can have unique IP addresses. That's going to go to production in the next uh, uh, three weeks or so. So yep. you can have like uh, fixed ports like Solana nodes and whatnot. Now mm. can finally run Akash and Ethereum nodes will run very, very smoothly on Akash, mm -hmm. right? The, the proof of stake nodes. Uh, and then with GPUs, you can do a lot more heavy lifting. You can do you know, machine learning workloads, you can do, I mean, you can run machine learning right now, but you're not going to take advantage of the, the GPUs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and GPUs are coming within the with the next three months. We're very aggressively uh, targeting. So we have- So the marketplace is still rolling out? Uh, the marketplace, uh, the GPU marketplace. GPU marketplace. So, uh, I mean, uh, Akash is fully of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are using it. Right now, about 20% of, uh, we have 20% penetration uh, in Cosmos, mm -hmm. right? But I would say like 50 out of, uh, 500 entities in Cosmos kind of use it. Mm. And that's like going Osmo is run on a Cosmos. Osmo right? is Juno Network. Uh, you know, uh, we have like NetAda. We have, I mean, it's, if you go to ecosystem of Akasha Network, you'll see a whole lot of projects there and, actually. And is it because of the relationship that Akash has with Cosmos since it's a Cosmos project or is it that it's just easier techno technically to in integrate? So it's our home ecosystem, right? So yeah, Cosmos yeah. Is, uh, is is home and Akash is a really good brand and mm -hmm. people understand how to use Akash. It's, it's Cosmos native, yeah. right? So, uh, I mean, it tells a lot about like, uh, just the fact that knowing what wallet to hold, like mm -hmm. having capital access, right. it's a big deal in terms of like friction for adoption, right? Right. Uh, but that's slowly expanding to uh, Ethereum and Solana now. So as we, with, with the IP addresses, you can slowly run Solana nodes now, right? Mm -hmm. So Solana is very, very expensive. It costs about $5,000 per node. In wow. a market like this, you know, a, a low cost, uh, you know, hosting provider means a lot to the Solana ecosystem. And there's also like stats that like 39% of Solana nodes are running on a cache and uh, sorry, Amazon. And mm -hmm. that's not, uh, it's not a good look. And what well, 69% of the Ethereum nodes are running on like uh, the big cloud, right? Yes. Other than most of them are running on, 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 on Amazon. So people, it's not that Amazon good or bad. It's just the fact that there's such heavy concentration of like- It, it is a potential like, point of failure. You know, is. we had in, I think it was like August 26th this year, um, which is less than a month ago, um, Hetzner banned yeah. like Ethereum nodes, which made up 10% of the Ethereum nodes from right. what I read. And so like this time it was, you know, one provider, but if AWS ever, you know, it's not that AWS, you know, it's not that Bezos wakes up and says, hey, I don't like crypto is gonna happen. But if a government wants to say, you know, just put on a sanction mm -hmm. and overnight it disappears, you know, yeah. before we start rolling, you talked about Tornado Cash, for example, and how people are kind of like, you know, giving back inches and people are complying, like over-compliance. Over yeah, there's compliance and over-compliance, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, compliance is important. I'm worried about overcompliance. Mm -hmm. I think governments are, at least they're being very reasonable mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, they're, of course, crazy examples, but for the most part, I think they're very reasonable in terms of like banning technologies, but mm -hmm. companies that overcomply like GitHub, right? So mm -hmm. I know the guys, the Tornado Cash developers, even the government came out and said clearly that writing code is not illegal. Writing privacy software is not illegal. Mm -hmm. Hosting privacy software code is not illegal. Mm -hmm. Interacting and operating is illegal. Right, mm. so that's they were very clear on, on the parameters of the ban. Even after that clarification, GitHub still uh, banned, uh, you know, the, the, the Tornado developers' accounts, mm -hmm. uh, and they banned, you know, the, they took down the source code. And the worst part, they're still charging the monthly fees. Wow, really? <laughs> that's how bad the Web two like, infrastructure is, right? 
So that's why it's very important to have decentralization, uh, full stack decentralization. Full stack decentralization. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about entire supply chain decentralization, right? And the reason why uh, you know Akash is prominent in Cosmos is because well we we are very aligned with the values of the Cosmos yep. ecosystem in terms of scalability, in terms of usability, in terms of you know uh, the the app chain model and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But uh, but now uh, Akash is the only on-chain deployment platform, right? Mm -hmm. So now we're uh, with interchain accounts. Uh, a, a smart contract on Juno can own a deployment on Akash without a human mm -hmm. in the middle. So if you remove the human out of the equation, uh, you you suddenly have a new world of compliance and new world on how you look at compliance, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, so a smart contract can deploy directly on Akash, uh, and but the smart that's contract the, could be a DAO. Yeah, it's but does the provider have any say about what is run on their GPU, for example, they do. They, they do. do. So the idea, so, but of, the compliance gets pushed over to the the compute provider. No, they can. Okay. I mean, they're but computer providers are all over the world. So somebody's willing to do it, probably. So as long as there's one provider is willing to host your workload, is going to run. Right. Right. So for things that are like crazy, like child pornography and stuff like mm. that, people don't want to run that stuff sure. on, the, on the server. So you have the censorship problem self-correct itself mm -hmm. but if you have something about jurisdictional law yeah uh, that's you know about jurisdiction whatever they need to comply right like so, if there's something that's say anti-ccp you know and it's somebody in china might not run it but if yeah. somebody's in the ussr so I, I don't absolutely mind, china know. can ban it but us can run it right yeah things like that so you got to comply to whatever jurisdiction you had to comply to mm -hmm. uh but it's a global you know connectivity it's a borderless system so you know uh it functions at protocol level there is no Mm -hmm. uh, censorship and we can't have censorship that just doesn't work for Akash, right? Right. Um, and uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. So yes, but at the same time, like the the providers need to comply to whatever the region. Mm -hmm. So there's D DRMC compliance. There's a whole lot of compliance. It's just not about like uh, you, uh, you know. And, yeah. and and who are the four providers? Like you know how are you, and I know you uh, read your most recent update where you said there's like a four part acquisition plan. Are you really are you aiming more for the masses when it comes to providers, like in a, uh, I run a GPU, or is it like you're going for big firms, like for example, like you said, you know, Amazon might run uh, servers. A, maybe even Amazon's going to start running some servers, yeah. maybe, you know, and so forth. So we're getting a mixed bag. So we initially began with our, our, our large partner, Equinix, which mm -hmm. is the largest provider in the world, right? Like largest data center provider in the world. They saw the vision with us, so they gave us quite a lot of like, they were very, very kind to like bootstrap the network mm -hmm. in the early days. But as, um, um, and 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 now we have about fifty providers. I, I think top of my head, I can mm -hmm. remember. Sim. Five zero. We know we we one of them we run. Uh, okay. Overclock Labs team. One of the yep. providers we run uh, because we want a marquee provider that mm -hmm. we can test and whatnot. But forty nine others, we have no idea who they are. Got I mean, it. There's like auditor system that identifies uh, you know them separately. Through that, we can kind of know. But there are a lot of providers now. This is pre incentives, right? So now we're going to start adding incentives. So mm -hmm. we expect like much larger, much diverse set of providers. And we're going to incentivize the behavior where, where the providers. via AKT, I assume? AKT yeah. incentives, where we want heavily distribution. So we're targeting about 1,000 providers in the next 12 months or so. Wow. Okay. So we want really heavily distributed. So like a 20 original version of the, the, the edge computing. I think we're going to see that, right? So by 2024, I think Akash will be the most distributed network. So if you have like a thousand regions, you can imagine the kind of uh, decentralization mm -hmm. that we can achieve uh, when we start doing uh, node hosting and, and a whole lot of things, right? So, so that brings me to kind of the next question, and I'm saying this as a as a proud investor, so I'm going to push back here a little bit. 
you know, there's a website, the Web3 Index, where, and I think all of the decentralized web infrastructure suffers yeah. from the same problem, where you've got Helium crazy coverage, but as of in the last 30 days, Helium made $1,073. Yeah. Akash in the last 30 days made $2,832. Yeah. AR, we've made only $42,000. Yeah. Like almost every single decentralized web infrastructure company is making kind of like pennies compared to their yeah. market caps. Yeah. And so let's say we have a thousand providers. What is going to, two things, I guess one, uh, cause more usage, but then yeah. beyond that, how, how do the economics work? Because on one hand, you you know, currently you said Akash is cheaper than let's say AWS. Yeah. The provider needs to make money. And yeah. if we're giving out AKT incentives somewhere, the AKT token probably also needs to accrue some form of value right. um, for it to maintain its value. Yeah. How, how do you view that all resolving, let's say in the next two, three, four, five years? Yeah. So Akash is making $2,000. That's $2,000 not on the centralized cloud. So, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. the, the fact that it's making $2,000 per month is like uh, a, a, a moment of pride for me because uh, this is pure value that's being exchanged mm -hmm. without any additional service. Like we, yeah. providers are not getting anything beyond just what they're earning for providing services, mm -hmm. right? They're clearly not very profitable. So the providers that we have in Akash are using their excess compute. They're like, we can get whatever we can get. Right. Take it, right? And the reason why we want to add incentives is to keep the lights on, mm -hmm. right? Because the demand is 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 way harder than supply. Mm -hmm. And we know that in Helium's yeah. case, Akash is in every every decentralized uh, you know web service case, yeah. right? And the reason for demand uh, being ha way harder is just two factors, right? The yeah. first is acquisition, mm -hmm. second is retention. Yeah. Akash retention numbers, I bet this is the same thing with most decentralized uh, uh, you know applications, is very very low. Mm. We're talking about like sub fifty percent, mm -hmm. right? For the most part, right? And, and why is that? Uh, because there's just lack of traditional engagement infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, like an email, for example. Yeah. Like if you're running out of funds, if you have a deployment on Akash and you're running out of funds, uh, and uh, there is no way to contact you mm. to tell you that you're running out of funds. Oh, so they need to manually restock, not Manual. just that, and push, right? Because it's push only, it's not subscription based. It's not subscription yeah. based. It's not, there's, you, yeah, there's, you can't just run a credit card. So the accounting team needs to um, you know, acquire more IKT, which Currently, still, we probably need to buy it straight on Osmosis or somewhere yeah. like on Cosmos, which means maybe buying some atom on Coinbase, sending yeah. that atom to Osmosis. It's high friction, high very friction. high yeah, friction, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in fact, I mean, the so the network effects in crypto is in the Web three is just next level. When Hetzner banned, mm -hmm. uh, you know, crypto, Akash was trending on Twitter hmm. with seven thousand tweets per hour. Wow. So you can clearly send the first thing on people's mind was Akash. Mm -hmm. When you see a product that popular, you see the revenues that are two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something is not working out here right. because we have such a huge churn when it comes to the pipeline, mm -hmm. right? So churn all the way from getting AKT tokens, mm -hmm. uh, churn all the way from renewing, yep. churn all the way from just getting like this. Is a, I mean, infrastructure things go wrong, yep. right? Right. Uh, getting an email that hey, your disk is up full. You know, go go update your disk. Mm -hmm. You know. Things like that, and I see these like alerts coming, but there's no way to alert the user, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of engagement infrastructure that's missing. There's a lot of on and off ramp mm -hmm. infrastructure that, that we need to build. Like ideally, we want to have a, a credit card and in good to go. But the good news is, mm -hmm. uh, the beautiful thing about Akash, uh, what we've done is this entire ecosystem of protocol clients. Mm -hmm. So currently, there are about five protocol clients that are uh, you know that are public, mm -hmm. and we have uh, three more that are still in private and will be announcing very soon. Protocol clients are essentially different applications built on top of Akash that enable using Akash much simpler, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all either from a provider standpoint or from a user standpoint, yep. right? So there are applications like Evergreen, which where you put in your credit card and they will, you know, do a chair mining like 
workload for you based on your credit card, mm. right? I mean, these are obviously central yeah, yeah. entity, right? I mean, the host solutions. And there are things, there are applications like Wixlow, who's doing like fiat on ramp based on uh, based on uh, invoices. Yeah. So they bill you later, right? Got it. Uh, and there are platforms like uh, uh, you know CloudMoss and Speron and. Mm -hmm. They're just doing like deployments directly from your GitHub, right? So mm -hmm. you don't have to package a container. You don't need to touch a container. You can just git push and deploy on a cloud. Right? Oh, right. And then you have uh, Praetor, which makes uh, becoming a provider super simple. Mm -hmm. Now they're adding like auditing. And also there's a whole army of like different applications mm -hmm. being built on top of a cloud that, that, are, that are contributing um, to the uh, adoption, right? And another big reason of, when it comes to adoption, a big, big, uh, big challenge we have that uh you know it, it's just the lack of user interfaces right like yeah. we haven't built a user interface and that's in hindsight i think that's one of the best things we did why because why that? that um i have a thesis of like building if you need to build 100 features mm -hmm. build 99 mm -hmm. don't build 100 features hmm. build just enough so that smart people when they use akash will see opportunities to build more Ah, okay. So you're building a Lego house, do not complete the house and give enough foundation mm -hmm. so other people can, can build something can build on top yeah. of that. That's how you make friends. That's how people mm -hmm. like look at an opportunity, and, look at a problem to solve. And Akash becomes right. more of a, a network than just a well, a decentralized company, so to say. You know, it's not just one entity, network. but now there's all these other We have like we have uh, about five publicly announced uh, mm -hmm. companies that are building on top of Akash and contributing back to Akash, right? And that number is going to be about 60 the, that we're targeting over the next 12 months. So over the next 12 months, we want to have at least 60 pro protocol clients, about 1,000 providers, right? All these protocol clients contributing to supply and contributing to that option in, in whatever. And, and so is this then like a layer one style where they all launch their own tokens or do they get grants in from Akash and it just stays one, a one token ecosystem? Uh, we don't know. So we want it to be pure. We don't. We don't want. We we haven't given grants for most of mm -hmm. these. Like I mean, Akash is not. Well, there's like some uh, proposals that they got funded directly from the community fund. Mm -hmm. so it's a very decentralized system in yeah, that yeah, sense. Yeah. Like there's no company that's like right. pumping, like giving money, right? I I would think about grants. Like I've I've seen the grants coming from like bigger ecosystems, and I've noticed the churn. Um, the retention for the granted employee granted like uh, 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 projects is about thirty six percent in some of the big ones. I don't want to name who it is, right? Sure. Uh, and there's a lot of churn when people get grants and they just go to another project and just run away, right? So yeah, because you, you lose you, that you attract people for the wrong reasons. I mean, I've seen it even with portfolio companies sometimes where they get, let's say, they get five offers for grants. And if there's one that offers a lot of money with no yeah. strings attached, say, let's take that money and maybe, you know, 12 months from now, six months from yeah. now, we'll build somewhere else. Yeah. So, so bull mat market attracted a lot of these, like, grant hoppers, yes. right? Like, uh, you know, uh, grant ninjas. And that created misincentives and that led to, like, I mean, just, just unintended behavior. Right. That and we want to avoid. So a lot, a lot more pure waste play. of both talent, resources, and time because yeah. those people then spend time a waste of time building yeah. on an ecosystem that they no intention on staying on and then to rebuild sometimes in different languages let's say they built in uh in, in rust or somewhere and then they had to rebuild in solidity or vice versa yeah i want people coming and using akash because they see value in it yeah right and that is very very important in the early ecosystem we can add grants and incentives at the growth stage not pre-product market product market fit stage right yeah so and during product market fit stage you're going to see revenues which are very small so mm -hmm. Uh, so instead of focusing on like getting more, 
mm -hmm. uh, revenues, uh, we want to focus on getting better use cases mm -hmm. and nailing the use case, right? So uh, I think you're going to start seeing quite a lot of adoption uh, now with, uh, uh, you know, Sperons and, and, and the uh, even Fleek, I think like Third Web and all these companies also announced that they're going to like integrate uh, Akash and mm -hmm. So. Um, so you're going to see quite a lot of adoption coming from these distribution channels, right? Mm -hmm. And we also announced uh, a new console that we, you know, we are building. We did a demo yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, so the goal of the new console, it's, it's a fully de uh, you know, non-custodial console. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, decentralized, non-custodial, signed using a Kepler. Uh, now we can have measurable, attributable deployments using this, right? So we can clearly show you what the retention is. Uh, if you do on-chain retention, it's not useful because there's so many very very hard to attribute a what a active wallet is and what's not yeah right? the the classic definition of oh active wallet is something someone that deployed in the last one month or something is not true anymore right because we're seeing a lot of like usage patterns where mm -hmm. i would just use one wallet per per deployment so i can like transfer i mean anyway the point being uh, building an attributable funnel and attributable, uh, you know, uh, uh, data mm -hmm. uh, is what console is providing. So, uh, and this is something we can automate. We can do paid, different uh, acquisition channels, uh, paid and organic. Of course, we, we, we prefer mm -hmm. organic or paid. Uh, so you now we will start seeing a lot more diligent growth, uh, you know, coming to play. And with with incentives, I, I, I believe that. If you have a thousand regions, I mean, you go to a Web two, uh, you know, application, yeah. and and look at a cash. I think that's that's a very attractive value proposition, right? So I'm I'm curious because like besides the crypto fund, we also run a metaverse fund, and one of the biggest conversations in the metaverse is you know cloud rendering, cloud streaming, cloud computing from yeah. the perspective that you have these massive multi online worlds. Ideally, right now, when you look at most online worlds, let's say Sandbox, Decentraland, there's super low fidelity, right. but there are new newcomers coming up that want to build, let's say, an Unreal 5, high quality, and want to have service with, you know, right now, most of them are capped, let's say, shards of 50, but yeah. they want to go bigger. And so is this something that Akash could serve in the future? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's even better for low latency gaming. Right? Mm -hmm. Because with this, uh, say with a network of 1,000 regions, yep. the goal is to reduce latency to 20 milliseconds, network latency to 20 milliseconds for 95th percentile active internet population. Mm -hmm. So with a 1,000 servers, we can get to a very close low latency um, number. What's latency usually? Uh, depends on from where. Like gotcha. server from, from US, uh, coast to coast, about 300 milliseconds. Oh, wow. So from 300 to 20. It's coast to coast. Uh, US yeah, 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 yeah. is 300 milliseconds. Yeah. It's actually lower latency over these or or yeah. uh, undersea cables. Because but you said you want to bring it to 20 sec milliseconds. Uh, you can have coast to coast, yeah. but like so, in the sense like if you have a server in Virginia and mm -hmm. if you're accessing the server from California, mm. you incur a 300 milliseconds. So instead of accessing the server from uh, uh, from uh, instead of having the server in Virginia, you should yeah. have a server in California. Got it. So you but that application it to... should automatically like scale yeah. based on where your users are. Right. You as the app developer shouldn't write that scalable logic, scalability logic. Correct. So that's how you sort of like. So somebody could build that on a cache that they you know utilize in the marketplace that you would automatically tap into a provider that is in your region. Right, so the application, the scheduling logic automatically becomes like, hey, just deploy where you see my, my most of my users are, mm -hmm. right? Like, so you can cu customize your configuration that way. So that's great for communications uh, applications. That's mm -hmm. great for any application that requires real-time peer-to-peer uh, -peer communication. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so you can use a server as your as your uh, you know as your backup relay, yeah. right? So, and you can do a lot of the kind of applications you can do with like a thousand regions is beyond like 
uh, what we can still imagine. I think it's yeah. going to unlock a whole range of uh, metaverse applications yeah. that that we haven't yet seen. So there's a lot of latency in metaverse, oh, and we can we, uh, we can solve the latency using this high performance thing. Yeah, the, the the latency and even just the the, the hardware requirements, you know, because we. I mean, part of the reason why we added to our investment with you guys in, in, in that time frame was because this was like, you know, three months in now with the Metaverse Fund where like this was just something that kept recurring, recurring, recurring. For example, yeah. with virtual reality, you know, uh, most Oculus headsets, they only have so much power on them. Yeah. So most of the real gaming happens when you plug it into a computer. So now you need, you know, Steam VR. you have got, let's say, $4,000 gaming computer. Right. You have the headset, um, but it just it kills the experience and totally reduces the TAM. And yeah. so almost all these developers are looking to work with, you know, cloud streaming providers yeah. that would enable them to have super high fidelity, you know, gaming that would usually be run on a computer, but run in the cloud. Yeah, the cloud and just gaming. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cloud gaming is a big use case for, especially when we have GPUs. So. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't right. need to come so, first, but you soon. Three months, you said. Yeah, three months. So we have the design ready, the implementation started. Uh, I think we may open source the spec very soon so people can see and, mm -hmm. and start experimenting with GPUs a lot with lot sooner than it's going to come out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and we're going to be a lot more like uh, communicative about uh, about GPUs and the spec is like, I mean, like the progress mm -hmm. above the GPUs. Has the merge already, uh, is, is that something that you're actively in, in talks with? Like let's say for example, yeah. big mining firms, because I know like a lot of GPU mining went yeah. over to ETC temporarily. So we'll be making a few announcements very soon as uh, we're in integration phases with like a lot of these big uh, miners. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and they are, you know, of course, big miners are hit because of GPUs, right? And yeah. They have enormous amount of GPUs, but a lot of them actually even have, have enormous amount of CPUs too. Mm. Uh, especially the miners, right? Uh, the public miners, yeah. right? Uh, our close rate with a lot of the miners has been like 96%. Wow. So, it's, it's, the problem is very real. Yeah. Uh, there are miners and there's mining operators, operating okay. systems, like Rave OS and stuff like that. Have uh, Is the difference that they're operating at like least, uh, least hardware or? So a lot of the miners, uh, at least the retail miners, mm -hmm. use a mining operating system. Mm -hmm. They don't. They don't write the OS. They don't. Yeah. Like do the, the configuration work as mm -hmm. you know. But so the the OS will provide all the all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Some of the OSs will automatically like adjust based on your you know capacity and whatnot. So uh, integrating into these OSs, uh, say Akash is like directly integrating into the OS where mm -hmm. you have a GPU, you can start like deploying an Akash, like becoming an Akash provider, right? Yeah. Uh, that will give us a lot more exponential effect than mm -hmm. going to individual miners, like because these operating systems become distribution channels essentially, right? Right. So it's like going to Walmart instead of going to individual people. That yeah, 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 of course. Right? Like, you become like the aggregator of all cloud computers. Right, so there's efforts from like direct like engagement effort. We engage with bigger cloud providers, mm -hmm. bigger like data centers, like uh, miners. Uh, and then we engage with a lot of the exp like distribution channels that will mm -hmm. get us to the, the mass uh, uh, spread. There's also mass nodes, a whole lot of things that we're working on to like actually integrate with. Yeah. And, and and what do the, I tried to touch it on earlier, what do the economics look like if, if, if me as a consumer, if I spend, let's say a dollar on cloud compute, what percentage goes to provider? What percentage goes to the AKT token, or is maybe to some to the foundation to keep operations running? Like, is there yeah. a certain split, economic split? No, it's direct peer to peer now. There's no like yeah. value capture in, that's built into the protocol mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. Uh, we are exploring different value capture mechanisms. Mm -hmm. One of the mo models that we're exploring is a take income. I mean, again, like take income mm -hmm. uh, is uh, you know basically taking a cut of mm -hmm. whatever value that's being exchanged yeah. and either burning it or either giving it back. Uh, there's some those, value yeah. mechanism, right? Like to the stakers, mm -hmm. because ultimately, right now the uh, security budget comes from inflationary tokens. Correct. It's a fixed supply. 
so the inflation is on a decay curve. Right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that that's going to run out in a few years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so uh, there needs to be a reason to hold off to that. Yeah. So people need, you know, or, or else it's just chain lose security. Correct. Right? So it's important for the chain to have security. Mm -hmm. That's why a take income is important for security of the chain. Without security of the chain, you don't have the chain. Correct. Right. So it's important, like, uh, so, and the, the battle right now we're fighting uh, is the regulatory lens. Of course. Uh, so the take income uh, with Ethereum take income model. Uh, you know, SEC is considering that as security, mm -hmm. right? So it's very, very important what's the outcome of the Ethereum case is going yeah. to be uh, for us to comfortably be and be, uh, be uh, you know, make a case that, you know, this is not a security. This is, a, mm -hmm. I mean, this is not a classical, like a, 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 a investment instrument. It right. is for security of the network. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, has there been a case like I mean, with the bind bird model, maybe Maker could something be something similar where you know they, they do charge an interest rate and they do use that for you know buying. SEC Maker. thinks as a security. Okay. Like SEC thinks everything is security. The moment you take some money out mm -hmm. of like uh, you know the moment you take a cut, mm -hmm. it's yes. it's one of those things that you know we need more clarity. Yeah, I think it's going to come very soon. I think by the time you're going to get meaningful revenue on Akash is going to be clear right yeah uh we're not in a rush right to, to capture value there's mm -hmm. still like inflationary tokens that yeah. that's going to last for a while before this becomes a critical issue correct yeah but uh i mean you have to capture value somehow to pay for budget correct pay for security and if, if the value of akt uh directly correlates to the, to the security of the blockchain so yeah. the akt needs to have higher value in order for the blockchain to be secure without security there's no functionality correct it's a decentralized system so um, in that vein, I think like it's important for AKT, uh, you know, price to hold, and also AKT needs to be liquid in order for this marketplace to function. Correct. Right. The more providers there are, more pressure there's going to be. So you need more liquidity. That means the price needs to support that. So right. The the, the price of AKT is a direct function of the security and the functioning of the system, not as an investment an asset, but actually. Right. Of course. Of yeah. course. Because it's the it's the it's the backbone of it essentially. Right. And that kind of you know leads to the, the the next question I had with regarding to Cosmos, and that I think we'll probably spend like the next twenty minutes talking about Cosmos because I'm always you know. One of the hottest discussions in crypto is always, you know, the different layer one wars. And I know technically, you know, the Cosmos is a layer zero. And you can always ask the founders of those, those layer ones and they'll tell you theirs is the best. But I much prefer builders saying, you know, why did you choose to build on Cosmos? Like, what was it that made you want to build a cash on Cosmos versus making it in an, an EVM dApp, for example? Yeah. Well, we tried an EVM and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean just that, that would be fees. just like... Because you'd uh, save the whole security issue that you just mentioned because yes. you wouldn't need your own nodes. Correct. So it's a big cost to deploy on Cosmos, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to, yeah, you need a security budget. Yeah. So your token economics need to account for that security budget. Yeah. Right? So you need to have a native token. Initially, when we started Akash, we didn't even have a token. Mm -hmm. We were like, hey, we'll use Ethereum for payment, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need a token, technically, uh, as Back long then, as. Overclock Labs, right? Overclock Labs. Even the first version of Cash, mm -hmm. like the first like design of a Cash, mm -hmm. we didn't have an AKT token mm -hmm. part of the thing. Uh, interesting. Uh, we wanted a settlement token, mm -hmm. and we were like, we would use a either originally without Bitcoin, but then we realized Bitcoin was not useful. Yeah, not it's not usable for settlement. Mm -hmm. And then we went Ethereum as settlement. Yeah, uh, it, it was the ERC twenty uh, project. Mm -hmm. This is in twenty seventeen. Right. And, and so why didn't that work? Because I think this is a this is a point Bitcoiners love to make to say like, oh, we don't need a token. We can you can just run on Bitcoin, or in this case, you could just run on Ethereum. Right. Why wasn't it capable? 
uh, CryptoKitties launched and it crashed Akash Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we were like, you're not going to build a mission critical infrastructure platform where you have essentially a 40,000 user influx is going to crash the system. And you're dependent on like, the, unfortunately this week, you know, uh, Board Apes launched other side and everything paused. We don't know? want that Akash is a question mark, system. yeah. So that's when the the uh, importance of having our own blockchain came into play, yeah. right? And there was no other blockchain really practical enough. And you and, and then it became evident that in order to build mission critical systems, you need sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Sovereignty in your, in your block space design, sovereignty in your scalability design, mm -hmm. your economic design, now, pretty much everything, the entire the entire blockchain needs to be sovereign and it needs to serve the needs of a single application, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's why sovereignty, that, you know, that's why you have currencies for individual countries because currencies solve or that's right, serve yeah. individual countries, right? That's why a global currency is a bad idea sometimes. Because there's individual ecosystems and they might make bad decisions that make them fail. Correct. And that shouldn't tear the whole thing down. Right, exactly. So uh, it's important, that we realize that it's important for Akash to have its own uh, blockchain. Mm -hmm. And Cosmos uh, was, in fact, is the only framework that allows uh, us to build a sovereign chain. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, we started Cosmos, adopting Cosmos in 2018. Uh, oh, it was right. called wow, Tenderbit. Yes. So we were one of the first, first blockchains to use Cosmos besides mm -hmm. the Cosmos Hub. Uh, and, and I think Cosmos Hub launched in 20, um, 2019 or day 2018, I can't remember. I think it's 2018 mm -hmm. they launched. Uh, that was the first chain that was launched using uh, Tendermint. Mm -hmm. And we were on Tendermint heavily. Uh, so we had to end up writing all the modules ourselves on yeah. the top of Tendermint. And Cosmos SDK is basically a bunch of modules on top of Tendermint mm -hmm. that became standard and tested and they had a bigger team than us. Uh, and then we uh, launched our first testnet using Tendermint. It was unstable because we went off off upstream at some point because the upstream was going Cosmos SDK yeah. route. And then we switched to Cosmos SDK uh, in uh, 2020. 2020, yeah. Uh, we, we threw away our, uh, our all our code. We have about 200,000 lines of code we threw away. Because wow. you know that nothing most makes me more happy than deleting code. <laughs> Writing code is awesome, but deleting code is even more. Better. Why? Because you got to start fresh and like make no, it more efficient. Less, less maintenance, less, less attack maintenance. like this. The okay. more code, more attack. Of course. Like the attack surface, right? Less code, less attack surface. Oh, oh, throwing away code, not as in like you were able to. You were you had to start over. So like, it, it was a net less lines. No, we not start over. Refactor. Yeah, yeah, yeah refactor. Point yeah. Where we could remove the accounts module. Gotcha. Cosmos SDK accounts module. Gotcha. So remove less our staking like, module. Use the Cosmos X stake. Less stake complexity module. too. Remove a lot of the governance, for example, mm -hmm. proposals and the whole modules that we wrote ourselves. We can get rid of it. Yeah. And use Cosmos SDK, right? So we can use the code which is used by a lot of other projects. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more eyes looking yeah. at it. It's well audited. It's well tested. It's battle tested. So it's always better to use a library or versus writing your own code mm -hmm. because the more ice you have, the better it is for security, right? It's interesting. At the time, uh, you know, 2018, 2019, I feel like there was a time period when actually I feel like Polkadot still had more mind share than Cosmos and Cosmos just kind of like yeah. totally whooped its ass. You know, now like Cosmos is like, they're just not comparable. I think I checked recently Cosmos and Osmo have like 100,000 active wallets. Polkadot has like 1,000. Right. What did you ever look at Polkadot? And, and we looked at Substrate. I mean, it was very, uh, it was it was decent, but it was not very appealing for a uh, infrastructure developer mm -hmm. like us. And um, 
you know, I mean, Golang was a lot more powerful language yeah. from, a, from, a, from a programmability. And plus, we're all written in Go, so we're not mm -hmm. switching to a substrate unless we see great value in it. Yeah. We see value in Cosmosm now because mm -hmm. so it allows us to like move fast and mm -hmm. update things faster. But uh, but Golang was too 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 strong, and we looked at Cosmos SDK. So for us, like we made, I feel like throughout our careers, we made really good bets really early in a lot mm -hmm. of good tech. We made a good bet on, on Docker in 2012. Mm -hmm. It worked out really well. We made a good bet on um, Kubernetes in mm -hmm. 20. 2014, mm -hmm. I mean, Kubernetes is used by 80% of the cloud today. Mm -hmm. So, and we made a good bet on Cosmos in 2017, 2018 timeframe, and that evolved to an ecosystem that you see today, right? Yeah. So, for whatever, for reasons unknown, we tend to make really good <laughs> bets when it comes to tech, like yeah. choosing the good tech, right? Uh, it was not political, it was not about ecosystem uh, momentum, it's yeah. just about really good tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for us, for me, the, determin I mean, the way I determine is a lot of factors, right? A lot of signals I look at. Mm -hmm. Look at a Git repo uh, of the project. I look at the comments, look at how the issues, look at the, mm -hmm. the, the insight, I mean, get, get the pace at which these issues are being solved. Yeah. The, the communication between the code dev and the, and the, and the issuer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot that tells you about a project just by looking at the GitHub repo, right? Yeah. So for, and Cosmos felt very Kubernetes-like, mm -hmm. uh, the way they interact, the way- What is they, that, Kub? Kubernetes. Okay. Like Kubernetes is the it's number one ecosystem in, in, in cloud, Okay. right? Uh, when you look at Kubernetes, I, I could draw a lot of parallels mm -hmm. from Cosmos to Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. uh, like simple things I would propose, like, I don't know, I would, the reason I proposed that, hey, we should like have uh, proper types for errors, so it's mm -hmm. easy for developing clients, yada, yada, yada. And the idea was taken immediately, and they started like planning around it. So there's a lot of enthusiasm right. by developers, uh, and it's very distributed. There's no one company building Cosmos. It's like mm -hmm. several companies. Osmosis now, I think, is going to start maintaining the, the upstream fork yep. for Cosmos SDK. It's not informal or none of the, it's not the company started by the founders of Cosmos, right? Right. And that's beauty, and that really tells you it's not a single person or single entity that's controlling yep. it. There's a lot of people. Uh, Contributing to Cosmos and, and making a success. I've, I've also found it, and I, and I said this earlier today with with Tor, uh, who's also building in Cosmos, where I said, you know, I think to me the Cosmos ecosystem is one of the most authentic ecosystems, where yeah. there's real developers building real products and solutions, whether it's an Akash, whether it's a GVPN, whether it's a secret network. That right. those are unique products, and also, you know, Cosmos is maybe one of the only layer one, layer zeros that didn't do like ecosystem grants and like incentives and liquidity, this and that, you know, but rather it's just like people use Akash if they want to yeah. use Akash, you know. Yeah. And that's, I think, more sustainable, more long-term, because as we all learned, it's not our first bear market, you know, yeah. um, that we will always have another one. Um, and those, you know, to me, these incentives are always like, almost like short-term debt in the sense that like you're, I mean, you're giving away essentially like free, like free tokens. Somebody will then need the reason why they hold them. If yeah. not, they're gonna sell them, which means you're gonna pay the price tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, one thing I was curious about, because Cosmos 2.0 is coming out, and I believe there will now be the ability that you could run nodes directly via Cosmos versus having independent the security, right? Really within chain security, yeah. is that something you're considering? Because that could also, like, I guess, reduce your cost or overhead. It's always a cost. Yeah, you got to pay. There's always a cost mm -hmm. for security, right? It's not free. It's either gas fees. Yeah, somebody's paying the cost. Of course. The question is like, who's paying the cost, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, I don't think it's going to make a difference for us because interchain security is really good for bootstrapping mm -hmm. the network. But my thesis is once you bootstrap, you will need sovereignty. It's yeah. impossible, right? Like DVRDX and and mean, chose a sovereign model by yeah. the Cosmos because 
they're running their order books on 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 the validators yeah to 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 get privacy right and and also get the performance they need right latency mm -hmm. um so you can do you can do off-chain com computation for scalability you can do so many things when you have sovereignty mm -hmm. that you can't do on a on a chain uh because a a, a an app a, a fat protocol is mm -hmm. going to need to serve all protocols yeah that it, it hosts it can't serve just one individual protocol thereby you can't make the trade-offs for an individual protocol so sovereignty allows you to make the trade-offs that's optimal for your scenario and your use case mm -hmm. right at, at the base layer right so uh, i think uh just like how internet today like okay you can start off uh you know say a wordpress website to yeah. simple so you can start off on wordpress.com mm -hmm. which gives you like you know i don't know all the bells and whistles they host for like ten dollars a month mm -hmm. the moment you start scaling up like a tech crunch you need to run your own servers right uh for more functionality more and... functionality it, there will come a point where you cannot use shared infrastructure anymore right mm -hmm. uh dropbox is, is a classic example dropbox started off at, was on the cloud but mm -hmm. they came to a point where it's very very expensive yeah on the cloud they sold they run their own own, own data centers walmart right People are going to need their own compute or own uh, so sovereignty, like be yeah. it compute, be it software, be it you know whatever layer you're running on, uh, eventually for scaling. And there's really no other way uh, to get the kind of trade-offs that you need to you need to get. Well, the trade-offs is like well, every time you have sovereignty, you need security, right? So I, I, I'm curious about your opinion about this. Then, so for account specifically, because it is mission critical, you need your own chain. Yeah. Who needs their own chain and who doesn't need their own chain? Like, well, if you're launching an NFT, you don't need your own chain, right? But let's Probably. say, for example, tech, would you think that every DeFi protocol like should have, like, so, you know, should let's say, should an Aave have their own chain, or is, or should that just be like one DeFi chain that like aggregates multiple players, like like an Aave Uniswap and so forth, right. to not so lose the composability? Depends. depends. I mean, it's not like not all DeFi is equal, yeah. right? Like, if you're an exchange and if you want low latency, high pro, high performance like DYDX, trading, yeah. You want limit orders, or you want things like that. Yeah. You need your own chain, yeah. right? Uh, if you don't need low latency trading or high performance trading, you probably don't need. But then, well, well, so you have your own chain. Let's talk about trade-offs, right? Yeah. Your own chain means you're going to lose composability, yeah. right? So that might affect your liquidity, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, composability is getting better and better. I, I was going to say like there's going to be more and more IBC composability right. too. It's yeah. getting better. It's it's I mean, currently it's a trade-off, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's not as composability is never going to be that great uh, as great as Ethereum. Mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum, like, like the best analogy I can give from a traditional software development is like developing on Ethereum is like developing on a gigantic SQL database mm -hmm. where you have control over your own tables, mm -hmm. your write control over your own tables, mm -hmm. and read uh, capability across all tables. Yes. So you can construct like a store procedure that'll talk to every table you want, mm -hmm. just like in operating on a single database. Mm -hmm. You can get very, very creative with, with SQL. You can get yeah. composability that you like only dream. Yeah, it's going to be slow. Yeah, it's going to be like, you know, uh, not great performance, but you can mm -hmm. get to do things that you can't do yeah. uh, over a sharded system, for example. Mm -hmm. like sharded system in a sense, it's a system where you have multiple servers, mm -hmm. multiple uh, SQLs, and you need in order to retrieve from SQL, you need to connect to the SQL. Yeah. So there's like network latency. There's like, uh, and you're not going to get the same level of abstraction that you can mm. get on a single database. Yeah. So that's the difference between IBC and uh, and uh, uh, EVM composability. So yeah. Always IBC is always going to be at least, I mean, 
other people may or may not uh, agree with me, but I think inherently, just historically looking at how distributed systems are designed, uh, like a BigQuery, right? BigQuery mm -hmm. is, is limited in terms of composability, the kind of queries you can do. Mm -hmm. But BigQuery is great for having 10 terabyte or 20 terabyte yeah. database. Whereas if you put a 20 terabyte database in a Postgres, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna fail, right? But BigQuery, you you know, is a distributed system, so you're going to work like a distributed system. Mm. You're going to have to make the trade-offs like a distributed system, and you're going to have like fault tolerance that you need to work on, like when you when you're working on a distributed system, right? So yeah, uh, again, it's a trade-off, right? Like so, if you need the hypercomposability, EVMs or a shared state or fat protocol chains are great. Like EVM or Solana, I'm categorizing them to single single yes. sort of a category. But if you want hyperscalability, you need an app chain, right? Because you can get the control that you want. With control, you can do a lot more things uh, that you can't do on, yep. on a fast chain. Which which makes sense why all the like very very unique chains that like have very spe specific purposes, like very, almost like you know very very purpose-driven chains, app, chain. you know, app chains, you yeah. know, are on Cosmos. Um, yeah. Because they need, like, you know, well, for example, like, you know, adding privacy on top of Ethereum, it's tricky. And then, like, you need a native privacy ergo secret network. You know, right. computer is going to be, you know, you cannot have slowdowns because somebody's launching a land sale. Yeah. Um, so you need your own. That, that and composability is getting better and better. Like, mm -hmm. with interchain accounts now, a Juno smart contract can own a deployment on Akash. Mm -hmm. So now you can have a DAO own its own website, voted by the members of the DAO, mm -hmm. using it their Juno accounts. Yep. And uh, you remove human out of the equation, and that Juno account, you know, essentially controls, uh, you know, deployment. And who are you going to take down now? Right. Take down Juno, right? So it makes immutable deployments possible. Right. right? So now with that, that was interchain accounts. Now you have interchain security. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to take composability to the next level. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, Atom, I'm very, very bullish on Atom 2.0. Mm -hmm. um, uh, with interchain security, I think that's going to just increase the amount of projects mm -hmm. launched because, well, it's very difficult to launch in Cosmos because you need to bootstrap security. That means you got to go recruit validators, and there are only 500 at the max validators right yep. now in Cosmos, right? So uh, it's, it's a small number, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes it maybe easier to find them because you know, mm -hmm. you know, from the main scan you can get. And if your if your if your market cap is low, that also means then that your attackability is very cheap you know and right. so it's much much harder to attack a cosmos at let's call today four billion five billion market cap versus you know a small cap project let's right. say like a dvpn that's worth let's say 10 million where right. if somebody really wanted to you know do damage all they need is like five million dollars yeah. and right that's all it takes and then it comes down to your protocol design how much capable like we were like very clear that Akash is only used for coordination. Mm -hmm. The protocol, the, the blockchain, is not used for execution, mm. right? So then you, you know, then you, you, you basically, you know, design your uh, your systems in a way to be hyper fault tolerant, right? Mm -hmm. Fault tolerance is like it's not about avoiding faults. I mean, there's nothing you can do with this attacker yeah. with a billion dollars one attacker, mm -hmm. Akash, right? This is, I mean, sure. I mean, it's like you can hang on to your tokens. Yeah, yeah. You can force the chain. You can like. It'll but evolve. they can't touch the actual compute. They can't touch the actual compute. Yeah. That's very important to wall them up, right? Just like a submarine, how you design your submarine in a way that if one uh, chamber mm -hmm. is uh, in a compromise to water, the other chambers are still not mm -hmm. compromised. So you design your protocol to be very, very uh, fault tolerant. Uh, and, and yeah, so it's it's not easy uh, right off the bat to design on Cosmos. I think I mean, it's easy to launch a chain, but designing the distributed system is, is, uh, is a lot more complicated. Awesome. Yeah, things go, that's going to get easier and easier with interchain accounts. Yeah. What What do the next three years for uh, for Akash look like? So we're going to have ten thousand, no, a thousand providers. Yeah. We right now we got eleven terabytes of active leases. Yeah. So where, where are we taking that one to? 
really in three years, I would like to see a Microsoft or a Google or Amazon archive. Okay. I think it's going to happen. And so then we'll go talking petabyte, not terabyte. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to happen. It's starting to happen, actually. It's starting to see a lot of like enterprise interest mm -hmm. in Akash. And within three years, we're going to uh, double down on what's really working. So the DOD use case mm -hmm. happened because nobody, not because somebody from Overclock Labs team, the sales mm -hmm. team, went and talked to a DOD general. Yeah. It's grassroots, bottom up. It's like right? a hackathon, right? It's inside yeah. uh, inside DOD. There was yeah. a hackathon. There was a bunch of Marines and airmen and guardsmen mm -hmm. uh, that love Akash and they love the fact that Akash gives sovereignty. And uh, military now, uh, so military has their own service. They don't use yep. the cloud. They can't use the cloud, right? Mm. So for them to have cloud-like capability, they have to pay someone like Amazon $15 billion to implement the system versus using something like Akash gives, you the, gives them free. Right. right. So they love the sovereignty part of Akash, right? And they, I mean, so that is grassroots, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going, we are seeing similar patterns in big companies, uh, people finding out Akash, they come to Akash, throw in a hackathon or a mm -hmm. hack event or a Gitcoin grant or whatever. Uh, you know, deploy something on Akash. I go randomly on Twitter and like do like, hey, do on an AKT if you deploy like a metric server, right? Like, oh, that's cool. believe me, we had recruited so many people that way. So this grassroots organic recruitment mechanisms uh, work and we're going to, you know, double down, triple down mm -hmm. on these methods that are working. Um, and uh, I think we're going to see quite a lot of enterprise penetration in the next three years, right? So, but I think like having a Google or an Amazon or a, uh, or a Microsoft on Akash as a provider, mm -hmm. Uh, just changes the game altogether. I mean, that legitimizes. I was going to say, like, that. for purely like, like the legitimization, of course, the added bandwidth and, and everything else. But that, that adds credibility. Now we yeah. are military grade. Like, yeah. now we can go come. Yeah. <laughs> if it's good enough for the military, it's probably good enough for your NFT project. Right? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that is not going really away. military grade, enterprise grade technology, right? And, and that's going to happen. Uh, it's We just need to hunker down, keep building, survive, and thrive mm -hmm. over the next few years. And I love bear markets because I call it the build markets, right? Like, build markets, yeah. Uh, because this is where you, there's no nonsense. Look around, like this conference around. Like, it's a lot no, quieter. It's a lot quieter. You don't have people, the NFT people, most yeah. of them like left. They all lost their money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the after parties now, it's like normal, just like, you know, mixers versus yeah. like three world famous DJs performing after each other. You yeah, know? like the other day I went to a crypto dinner, there was not even alcohol served. Oh, wow. <laughs> to, I mean, like, drink tickets. The last two parties went to their drink tickets drink again, tickets, you know, versus right? just like endless open bar. Exactly. And, you know. So it feels more pure. It feels like a bill market. It feels like there's yeah. no nonsense. Uh, now we see like uh, my friends Anatoly without detail, the yeah. security details. You can actually go talk to these people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. you know, uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite book that you would recommend people? I am actually reading this book called Crypto uh, by Stephen Levy. Okay. Uh, it's written Oh, that's the guy from Freakonomics now? Stephen Levy? I think that's the same guy. Yeah, okay. But uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, it could be a different guy, but this guy, is, this, this guy wrote uh, Hackers, mm -hmm. the book which became a movie. Okay. And this book is about the crypto wars of the 80s. Ah. It's a fascinating book. It's about, I mean, this is not the first time government went to war with crypto. Mm -hmm. It happened before. Uh, and the government didn't want encryption in people's hands, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have their own reasons. Uh, this is a story about how uh, people won, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and how government lost essentially, right? So mm -hmm. it's a very uh, highly recommend reading this book. To take a lot of uh, analogies, and you'll see a lot of parallels to what's happening right now, and wow. how people will eventually win, right? Uh, yeah, I, I recommend. I, I'm enjoying it a lot. In the '80s, interesting. Uh, where can people find more about you? 
Best way uh, to connect. Well, akash.network is the website. Uh, and Twitter um, is the most active channel for me and Akash Network as well. So AkashNet underscore is the Akash Network. Uh, my Twitter handle is Greg Osuri, G-R-E-G-O-S-U-R-I. Amazing. Always good to see you, Greg. Absolutely. And keep building. It's, a, it's a build market. Yes. Have a good one. Build market.